Hello and welcome to, uh, are we in emergency mode yet? <laughs> Episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Danzial. Chris, what a weekend. What a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great, fantastic weekend. You know, we had the whole snowstorm shutting down the entire New Jersey, New York area for no good reason, just because of incompetency of everyone involved from weathermen to government officials. And then on the basketball court, we have our favorite team in crisis mode, at least according to half the fan base, while the other fan base thinks we're going to be A-OK. So not only is the team bad on the court, we have a civil war going on on social media. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I will say, when we walked in to put together this episode, record the show, if you asked me what I thought was going to happen last Thursday, I mean, I don't think anyone out there could have just predicted this to happen. There were so many, especially at the end of regulation, just so many chances for Villanova, and it was like they didn't want it. Yeah, this loss is bad. <laughs> we were saying just this past Thursday, like, oh, you know, it's Michigan, it happens, blah, blah, blah. And then we're like, oh, you know, the, we expect a sound fundamental game, no turnovers, uh, quick passes, good offense, you know, back to normal, all that stuff. And the exact opposite happened. It reverted back to what basically was the entire Michigan game. And then, yeah, like you said, it felt like this game should have should have been theirs pretty easily. I mean, but then you let Furman hang around for a little bit, couldn't put him away. Furman had a lead for a bit. Then you come back, then you had a lead for a bit, and then you get right back. And then you have to go to overtime with these guys, and then they just completely school you there. Just absolutely, absolutely horrendous on-court gameplay. Oh, it was just bad. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah, I couldn't tell what was worse. The execution on Saturday or the, as you mentioned, as you called it, the civil war going on between fans. Oh, man. Not a fun time to be a Wildcat right now. A lot of panic and a lot of blame, but overall, a lot to unpack. Yeah, a lot to unpack from uh, how the minutes were distributed, how the offense looks very anemic, how the seniors look bad, too. They, they look more like they should have been. They should be more complementary pieces than they are feature pieces. They, they don't, it just seems bad all around. I, I, I just, there's really just no other words to describe it. It's just bad. So let's jump right to it. Villanova, Furman, squared off at the fin. We know how it ended. A lot of people know how it ended. Furman won 76 to 68, upsetting Nova. It is the second <laughs> loss for Nova. Came a lot sooner than we're used to compared to the recent seasons. First back-to-back losses since 2013. Furman just came out there, got great execution from its starters, all five guys scoring in double digits. Meanwhile, for Villanova, led by Phil Booth, who had 20 points off of 8 of 23 shooting. Colin Gillespie had 19 points off of 6 of 13 shooting. Demir Cosby Roundtree didn't score a lot, didn't really get the opportunity to do so, but he did almost everything else. Had six points, 11 boards, five blocks, two steals. Overall, Nova as a team, just looking at the offense, 33.8% on the floor shooting, not good. From downtown, 14 of 44, 31.8%, and it's not good when your two senior leaders, Eric Pascal and Phil Booth, combined for five of 24 from long range. Never a good sign when Nova is not executing from beyond the arc. But Furman, you just got to tape your hat to them. As you, as you said, they hung around, 
architecture of a game plan, gave it to Nova on both ends, and just never quit. And they were making the shots when they needed to, especially in overtime. Just absolutely schooled Nova in overtime. Yeah, yeah once the game got to overtime, Nova didn't stand a chance. <laughs> like, which is the exact opposite. Usually these type of games where the where a significantly more talented team goes to overtime with another team that's just been hanging around, usually that team just wins just because of pure talent. It takes over eventually, and that's what I kind of feared when in the 2016 national championship it was like oh if that goes to overtime UNC had all the momentum and it, I felt like they were better than us at least on paper and I was just like yeah that's not gonna happen but obviously completely completely different game with much less magnitude but starting with the offense very very anemic as I said before 34 percent from the field 14 of 44 from three I mean god that's just horrific and a lot of those shots were terrible a lot of just dribbling around, doing nothing, and then just hacking up a shot with a guy in the face somewhat into the possession, like 15, 16 seconds left in the shot clock, just absolutely terrible. And that was mainly from Booth and Pascal. I don't know I don't know what was going on with that, really. And then on defense, it, it felt like everybody was getting blown by. Furman, like, yeah, like you said, tip your cap to him. Uh, and you kind of had a feeling going into this game is going to be a little bit bad because it, what Jordan Lyons had like that ridiculous performance after we got off the air on Thursday. Had like he like set a NCAA record for most threes attempts. Oh, something. lights out, lights yeah, out, lights out, lights out! Like it was absolutely ridiculous. But then in this game, he only goes one and five, and and they still win. I'm I'm a little I'm shocked, but like also not shocked, and I'm also kind of not happy they lost. But like I'm glad they lost in the sense that maybe that they'll finally maybe this is the wake up call. Maybe they were like, oh, you know, Michigan, whatever. Like we can regroup from that. But like now, like you can like with a loss to Furman, you can get into the nitty gritty of it and and try and dissect what's wrong and maybe try to fix it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you have to say about that. Just going back to something you said earlier. I know you said when the game was going to overtime, you thought that Nova wouldn't stand a chance. I actually thought the opposite. See, when Rafferty went to the line for Furman, one and one, chance to be the hero, win the game right then and there, bricked it, and just keeping the score tied, and now it was going into overtime. Can I we talk like, about oh. – can we talk about how horrible that call was at the end, though? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, the, the football pass? No, 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 no. The call to even get Rafferty to the line. Oh, yeah, agreed. It's no horrible. Was horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> no idea what was going on. I was watching on my phone. I was on silent. I was just like, oh, he's at the line now? What the heck happened? Yeah, Jay Wright was livid because he apparently he wasn't getting an explanation for a while either. It was just very strange. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me at all. But, hey, you missed it. and then Yeah, he missed it. And I was like, all right, this is when Nova takes over. You know, they're at home. Overtime, they've just been given second, third, fourth, fifth chances <laughs> to stay in this game, take it to the Paladins. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, this might be an ugly win, but you know, you survive, you get out of it a little, and you just lick your wounds and you look at the tape, review what's wrong, and then we'll go into Thanksgiving all hunky dory, getting ready for this Advocare Invitational. But that's just not how it went down. Nova just got torched in overtime. I have a hard time just putting the blame on just certain individuals because i don't feel like that's the issue it seems to be like a team-wide systemic problem i don't know what it is there's too much dribble drive too much iso not enough moving the ball around when they do move the ball around it's either one pass too short one pass too many the shot selection has been semi-questionable as you as you said lots of pulling up with someone on your face not really looking to find the open man or just get the ball moving around when they go inside they can't finish just so many so many problems turnovers too i i have i don't think i've yes. seen nova turn the ball over so many times whenever they drive inside like i get you're being pressured but how just it's, it felt like almost every other time that they drove in 
they would get a double team and it, the ball would just end up on the floor rolling and it's either saved or it ends up in Furman's hands. And then defensively, that's just a whole nother, that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> the Paladins yeah. were able to do whatever they wanted. As we saw against Michigan, you know, it was one thing against Michigan, but this time around Furman, everyone was chipping in. All five of their starters were having a day. I mean, just looking at Rafferty, he had double, double, 15 points, 17 boards. Lions, while he didn't shoot the lights out, he did lead the way with 17. Everyone else had either 13 or 15 points. What was going on? Couldn't stop anything. Just couldn't stop anything. Lots of miscommunication on the back end, it feels like. Especially in that Michigan game, it was very apparent. This game, I think they cleaned it up a little bit, but it was still pretty bad. Yeah, they they got to they gotta figure that out soon. And I don't know if that's the inexperience or not, but you really can't be claiming inexperience when the freshmen aren't even freaking playing. I mean, I know Cremo's out there and he's due to the system and whatever, but Jay Wright's playing guys who've been there, who've been in the system for a couple of years now, and they're they're still getting beat every which way. I don't know. I don't really understand what's going on defensively, and that was the the, the defensive side of the ball has been so great for Villanova these past few years. And and with the offense, yeah, like you said, like a lot of one on one stuff, and it's just not working. And I felt like with last year, like that could you could get away with that because of the talent, but like it's that a lot of that talent's gone now. And I don't, I just don't see this team winning a lot of one on one battles that they might have won last year. Michigan, I don't want to say they put the blueprint out there because I think that's kind of ridiculous to think that, you know, Michigan did it one time, so it automatically works perfectly, but they exposed that, you know, when Pascal drives inside, double team him, and he's going to have a hard time controlling it. Gillespie, double team him when he's driving in. He'll have a hard time controlling it. They don't really have a secondary playmaker outside of him and Booth. So when either of the other is on or off, depending on what the lineup configuration is, that person is going to have to be the playmaker. We can get, we're going to get into the freshman in a little bit. I thought one play, one series that literally captured this whole game in a single snippet was Nova was either the score was either tied or they were leading. And Furman gets the ball. They go down after Nova hits a big shot. Got the people going. Finally got a three to fall. And then as Furman's moving the ball around, at some point, Gillespie and Pascal collide into each other, trying to get to their men. End up both falling. Furman gets the ball, kicks it out to an open guy, and just splashes a three. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, if our own guys are running into each other now, knocking each other off, playing defense for the other team, this is just not good. This is not good. Yeah, that was the perfect epitome of the, that entire game. Just so symbolic. Yeah, yeah, it, it really was. I, I didn't even think of it like that when I first saw it. I was just like, I just facepalmed. I was just like, of course. But yeah, I guess now looking back on it, it, it sums it up pretty well. So this has been the hottest topic. Now, we would be remiss if we did not address this. Yes. Put JQ aside. Uh If we look at the box score, you have five players playing around the 30-minute mark. You have Gillespie, Pascal, Booth, Demir Cosby, Roundtree, and Joe Cremo. They either played 29 minutes or more. The only other people that logged minutes were Jermaine Samuels, who we saw started. He ended up playing 18 minutes. Cole Swider went out there for seven minutes. Sadiq Bey, who has been fantastic so far as a freshman, he's probably the only one so far that seems to be getting consistent minutes, at least to start the season. But he was in foul trouble early. He picked up his fourth foul very early in the second half. He was limited to just 10 minutes of action. So that, outside of the starting five, or outside of the quote-unquote veterans, the upperclassmen who played the big minutes, that's 
35 minutes elsewhere that didn't belong to a starter or Joe Cremo, who we've seen is fifth-year senior, I guess, in a way that makes him a senior, even though he's new to the program. 35 minutes, that's it. Cosme Roundtree, he's Samuel's classmate, but he was playing well. He was doing he was doing an okay job. He did an admiral job, so he mm-hmm. stayed on there for 36. Samuel's, we, he had turnover issues, seemed a little lost at times on offense and defense. Only had 18 minutes. Chris, minutes distribution. Yeah. What was your take on that? Man, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan at all. It's, it's, they, they, he's running guys into the ground already, I feel like, and we're only in game four. I mean, and I, I understand like you want to defer to your, your seniors and your more experienced guys, but at the same time, if you're gonna lose the Furman, at least throw the freshman out there. Like it, it can't, it couldn't possibly, like, get any worse than if you're like throwing JQ out there. If you're going to lose the Furman, just throw JQ out there, or just just throw the freshman out there. Let them get the experience. Because I'd rather lose with them out there than losing with your your seniors who are gonna do everything right and score all the points and make all the defensive stops and do whatever that seniors are supposed to do. At least get them the learning experience. At least have them try. At least have them get acclimated to the college game, which is apparently what they are "quote unquote" lacking right now. But just I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why are we running the same guys out there? And it's not, and we it clearly isn't working. Starting the same people out there, and it clearly isn't working. And we're sticking with it for the whole freaking game. Like I thought, Swider actually did a okay, but then he committed that one turnover, and that was it. He was gone. Rest of the game. I mean, obviously, Bay being in foul trouble didn't exactly help. I think that meant Grimo was going to be playing more. But I don't know if you. I don't know. I maybe you probably keep Grimo in there, and because DCR was having such a good game, I don't know if you wanted to roll with a with a bigger lineup. But probably not, because DCR was beasting on the boards. Eleven boards, five of the offensive variety. It was doing great. But I, I really don't get it. The freshman got to play more. It's plain and simple. I understand deferring to your your seniors when you got or your older guys when you got Bronson Bridges. Everyone. Like I get it, but those guys are gone now, and you gotta adjust. You gotta let these guys play. And we, me and you, were just going all off air. We we went through the years past. Freshmen, for the most part, played legitimate minutes. These guys aren't playing legitimate minutes, and I, I don't I don't understand why. Yeah, just looking at recent years, basically since the quote unquote turnaround. So we're gonna look at Ryan Archie Diakno, Daniel Chafu's freshman year. Obviously, Arch started right away. He dethroned. Ty Johnson took the spot, was a full-time guard after probably the first game, yeah, I would say, because yeah. Johnson transferred immediately after, very early on, honestly, in the season. Mm-hmm. But you had Daniel Chefu averaging 17 and a half minutes per game. We saw that he started for, there was a good stretch midway through the season, early in Biggie's play, where he was starting. Archie, Ryan Archidiakno started, as we all know. Then you look the year after that, when Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins were freshmen, Hart got big minutes off the bench. He was averaging over 20 a game. Jenkins got a solid 11 minutes. If you want to count Dylan Ennis, because this was his first year right out of the redshirt year, so he was technically new to the program, he played 16 minutes per game. Then you look the year after that, Phil Boots' freshman year, he played 14 minutes per game. And then you fast forward to when Mikhail Bridges burned his redshirt and was finally free. He was playing 20 a game. So, you know, don't say that they have to wait. 
when clearly you have people playing. Now we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We're not right. gonna Obviously. we're not gonna pretend like we know. Right. We just see what happens on the court and that that's what we take. We we have no idea what's going on <laughs> outside yeah, of that. Yeah. And you look at this year's freshman, Javon Quinterly is averaging 13 a game, but he had that DNP, so that's a little skewed. Cole Spider is averaging 11 a game. Brandon Slater is averaging six minutes per game. Not really a big drop-off compared to recent years, and we've seen how it definitely helps some of those other guys getting that early experience. And it is one thing when you want to defer to your seniors. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, why not? You know, these guys are battle tested. They've they're national champions, first of all. Right. First and foremost, they're national champions. Right. But even national champions have off nights. Yes. And they they've been cold. In the Michigan game and the Furman game, I mean Pascal and Booth, they combined for five of twenty four from deep. That's not good. They were just hacking up shots. Few ill advised, you know that they're better than that. Make better decisions than that. We're not saying Jay is doing horrible. It seems to be this thing going on where it's like you can't question Jay. Yeah. I think that the people who are not having intelligent conversation where it's like, oh, Jay needs to be fired or, oh, he's not doing it right. <laughs> free JQ, free JQ. Like that, that's one thing. But you're allowed to question what's going on here. Now we've seen for two games that the same lineups rolling out the same people going ride or die with your seniors, even when they're cold. Has not helped so far, and that's part of the reason that's led into two losses. Granted, they're freshmen. There's probably something going on in practice, but when it's not working in the game, you got to roll elsewhere. Yeah, you you got to look for a spark somewhere else. I mean, you can't keep going with the same stuff. And maybe this loss turns it around. You don't know. Like that's why I said before. Like I was, part of me is like, all right, not the worst thing in the world that they lost because maybe it'll wake them up a bit. But but yeah, it's they got they got to figure it out and. Like you said, we're not saying we Jay should be fired and whatever, like how everybody takes anybody who questions him on Twitter is, man, was that just brutal to read over the past weekend. But we're just a little confused by the coaching decisions. That's all. I, I think it's it's reasonable to question it. I think it's re- reasonable to critique it. But we understand he's won two championships in the past three years. So we're not like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, it. Cl- clearly I, he's doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag right out. Like no, we're not we're not on that bandwagon. But let's let's just take it for what it is. It's it's two bad losses in a week. We got the Thanksgiving tournament coming up. That could get ugly <laughs> the way they've been playing. But I, I still think he's no pun intended. I think he's able, he will be able to right the ship. I think they'll be fine. But for now, it's very concerning that this team looks this way and running the same six guys, six to seven guys out there, and running them into the ground four games in. I think we got to switch it up a bit. I think the freshmen got to play more. And if you're going to lose these games, at least lose them with the freshmen. Don't lose them with the guys who you know what you're going to get out of them at night in and night out, or the guys who are having off games. I'd rather see the freshmen go out there and, and kick it around a little and, and see if they can figure it out on their own. That's all. And not just that. I mean, not even just that. Let's talk minutes for a second here. Now, if we look at the box score, Colin Gillespie, Eric Pascal, Phil Booth, they all three of them played over 40 minutes. Granted, mm-hmm. the game went to overtime. So are we going to expect four or five different guys to go at least 36 minutes in four games in less than a week? It's just not sustainable basketball. I get it. You know, you want to defer to your seniors, but in the long run, you got to spread the minutes out. You got to get everyone involved here. We have talent on paper, a great bench. I would like to see more freshmen. And I guess since we are talking about it, 
I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and go out there. And I'm going to start <laughs> the chance. Free JQ. Free JQ. Free JQ. I do want to see more Javon Quinley, and not in the sense of like, oh, well, Colin Gillespie doing horrible. The seniors are horrible. So let's just see what JQ can do. He's a McDonald's All-American. Just looking in past years, we had backup facilitators off the bench. We had other playmakers out there. We're putting both of our playmakers in the starting lineup right now. Colin Gillespie and Phil Booth. That's yeah. it? Yeah. That's it? No backup off the bench? No. No one? When they no. both need a break or if one of them gets into foul trouble? Mm-hmm. And I get it. You know, there is the argument that Javon Cornelly hasn't looked the hottest out there when he's out there on the floor. But how can you expect him to really gain cohesion with the team, gel with the team, when he's only able to play out there for one to two minute spurts, get pulled off, come back 10 minutes later, play 75 seconds, get pulled (laughs) off, go back later, 15 minutes later, and just playing garbage time. That's not really going to, that's not really good for anyone. How could you expect him to really? get time to really work with the guys. Granted, his defense hasn't been the greatest, but no but one's no defense, defense has, has been, has been the greatest. No one's defense has been good. <laughs> yeah, and it, I don't think it's fair to cherry pick when he's terrible on D for 60 seconds when we have to stomach a lot of defensive lapses from variety of players Absolutely. for like 10 minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're exactly, exactly right. Should, 75 seconds just isn't enough time to make an impact. I would like to see more minutes. We do need more playmakers. I don't think it's safe or smart to just roll with those two mm-hmm. in Gillespie and Booth. I would also love to see more Slater. If it really was about defense, he would be playing more. Mm-hmm. Cole Swider, we know he can shoot. It's on and off, and sometimes it looks a little slow in defense, but he's got to learn. He's got to get those game legs under him. We've given freshman chances before it's not anything new we saw we just looked back at the stats we saw the solid amount of playing time in recent years that josh Hart, chris jenkins phil booth mikhail bridges all got in their first seasons where they were able to play and those numbers minutes per game were just drastically higher than what we got from this fresh from this freshman class granted on we're not saying to start them we're not saying put jq in over gillespie but we just need to spread out the minutes. There's no way we can expect to run guys 36 <laughs> minutes a night for the whole season. It's just not healthy. <laughs> it's not yeah. safe. No. And also, you know, we don't need to tire guys out. We can spread them out. Right. Exactly. I mean, just look at two years ago. That team got tired at the end. We were basically rolling with five guys and Dylan Painter. That was, that was pretty much it due to injuries yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Omari being – benched for the NCAA. Yeah, yeah, Phil Booth's injury. I mean, that team was tired, and you could tell. But, yeah, free JQ. That's, that's all. This team needs a point guard, like a real point guard. Like, I think Booth and Gillespie are both serviceable, very good guards, but I don't think either of them can really do much of the whole, you know, dribbling thing. <laughs> like, I, they're good ball handlers, but I, I think JQ can provide something that they don't. And I, I want to see, it like, a true point guard out there. And I think off the ball, Booth and Gillespie would be better off. I think JQ bringing up the ball would be much better. And I think the offense would run better with a true point guard out there. We, we've we been blessed with good point guard play for the past, what, eight years or so? Seven, eight years? So yeah, I, I think, so. yeah, Arch, Arch the Brunson pretty much. So that's, uh, let's, let's get a real true point guard out there. And then and before that, with Scotty. And with Scotty, yes, correct. Oh, and Malik Waynes too. To, yeah, Malik Waynes. To an extent. McDonald's All-American. McDonald's All-American, right. Can't, 
So he reminded all of us about that on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's what you just got to do. Just stick them out there. See, see how it goes. And we all know Jay's been Jay's testing. Been like this has been a science project for the last four games. Right. And I think we have enough evidence okay. out here to suggest that. <laughs> yeah. You know, just depending on your seniors, which I, we totally get, you know, it's always been his style, but he's also admitted in the past that sometimes he does it a little too much. And that has been his downfall in a few games. Mm-hmm. So I would think that, you know, maybe that would cause him to be more open with seeing other guys, seeing how they do in games. We don't know what's happening behind closed doors. We don't know if there are any disciplinary issues or anything like that. I haven't heard anything like that, so I can't comment on that. But I would like to see some other guys worked in. It's not anything new. Yes, they're freshmen, but we have seen freshmen take big minutes before, even outside the starting lineup. Got to play them. But with all that said, I am not pushing the panic button just yet. It is late November. I've had people blowing up my phone Trying to troll me, ask me, oh, what's happening to Nova? Oh, you guys are choke artists. You guys are – no, no, no. Two national championships in three years, it it has taught me something. Back then, you know, we used to freak out over a close game with the Paul at the Pavilion. We used to freak out over the dumb losses in conference play or the dumb losses in non-conference play. But I have learned sometimes part of the – you just got to roll with the punches sometimes and see what happens. It is late November, so I'm not by any means panicking. I know some people are ready to call this a dumpster fire. I don't think so. If this was late January, February, okay, check with me back then. But right now it's very early in the season. I think there's plenty of time, plenty of time to figure this out, right the ship, so to say. So I am not panicking yet. Chris, are you hitting the panic button yet? Is it DEFCON 5? I will say, though, the, the Furman loss did suck. It's not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not I like... was upset, but I'm being super patient right now. Yeah, as I said before, I, I do believe they'll eventually turn it around. I don't, I'm not hitting the panic button, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned now. Just, just because it's Furman. Like, you shouldn't be losing the Furman at home. Just, just throwing that out there. Like, I'll take the Michigan loss because they're a good team. You know, Furman has some good players and all, but you, you shouldn't be losing to them. So that's that's the only reason why I'm a little bit panicky, but I, I'm not hitting full-blown panic button yet. Shout out to Bill Finneran, who not only dedicated so much money to improving our facilities, which looks beautiful, by the way, but since he dropped that one line, if you're lucky, this will be the worst game you'll ever see here. Nova is now 0-2. <laughs> so... Hopefully that's not exactly a curse. We got this tournament coming up over Thanksgiving weekend. We can go into the opponents, but I'll be honest, I'm a little more concerned as to see what Nova brings out. You know, we could break down what's expect from Canisius, what's expect from Memphis or Oklahoma State. We already did that in the beginning of the season, so you know, that that preview is there. You know, we broke down what <laughs> Furman, we broke down Michigan, and so far this has been two swings and misses. And Nova not doing exactly what we thought would happen. What do you expect from Nova in this tournament? What do you hope to take away from this? We got three games, three days. I just don't think that the four guys running for 36 plus minutes a game is just not going to work. It's just not going to work in this tournament. No, definitely not. And I I think the game to try out against where you're not running the four guys out there for 30 plus minutes, it's against Canisius. Got right off the bat. Very beatable team from the MAC. Should beat them. And you should have beaten Furman. And that didn't happen, obviously. But against Canisius, you should definitely beat them. You should definitely try something new. 
And and this is a good game to get get back on track, I feel like. I said that against Furman, and obviously it didn't happen, but I think you can get back on track with this. Get the win under your belt. Get some confidence growing. Then you go up against the Memphis and Oklahoma State, and that, those games have me a lot more concerned now than they did at the beginning of the year. But one game at a time now. I think I think they'll take care of Panisha's. You got to just throw out, some, throw out the freshmen there. Hopefully you get better games from your, your seniors. Hopefully Gillespie continues uh, builds upon his strong performance against Furman. Hopefully DCR builds upon his performance from, against Furman as well. So let's see if they can actually win a game and actually blow it out, make it a blowout of some sort. Or I'll just take anyone at this point, but it would be nice to get a nice, comfortable win. That way you can kind of mix some pieces in there and give some guys some rest, especially with potentially two other games coming up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a variety of things. Definitely what you said. But also, I just want to see this offense go back to operating like a smooth machine. Smooth operator. Let's let's ditch the ISO. Too much dribbling. Too much one-man army stuff. Let's go back to swinging it around. Converting on the bunnies. Converting on the layups. But also taking and making good threes. Let's not force things up. Let's take care of the ball. Defensively, I want to see if DCR can be a, I don't want to say full-time rim protector, but can he be a rim protector for Nova? We've seen that the defense has not exactly been hot. And as we saw against Michigan, we saw a lot of guys get taken to the rack. We've been blessed. I, I think I've just taken for granted, we've taken for granted, we've forgotten what it's like to not have a designated or you know a, a rim protector you can lean on because in the past, we saw there was Muftai Yaru. We saw that there was Daniel Chefu. We saw that there was Omari Spellman. You know, no matter what happened, if you tried to just funnel your way inside because you think you could beat Nova, you had a, a big tall tower there to just destroy you, reject you. Can DCR be that guy? We saw flashes of it against Furman. We <laughs> really needed that because there was none of that against Michigan. I'm looking forward to that. I also want to see more freshman minutes, more minutes spread around. Let's not run our guys to the ground. Let's not tire them out. I just want to see Nova go back to not panicking. Let's not force things up. Let's play calm, take smart shots, play hard defense. Can VCR be the rim protector we need? And let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I think that they they'll definitely take care of Canisius. I know we've been saying that we've been saying this now for two games. Uh, two games now, yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, they'll take care of Canisius. Okay. I'm not. I want to say they make it to the finals at least, or at least I'm hoping. In my mind, I'm hoping it. But yeah. it's looking a little yeah. iffy right yeah. now. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's scary that that Oklahoma State game. A little, a little scary. A little scary, but you never know I, maybe they just flip a switch or something who knows who knows i mean they, they're usually good in these tournaments when was the last time they lost in a tournament like this in a thanksgiving tournament it's been a while right 2k classic arches freshman year yeah against that what, who was it, alabama was it alabama they beat alabama? purdue but they lost to bama okay yeah it's been a while i wanted to see better offense i want to see a more fluent offense and a much stronger performance on defense. That's all you can hope for. <laughs> Just don't lose to Canisius, please. <laughs> please. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please. Yeah, ideally, we want Nova to win all these games. Right now, you know, like I said, it's still very early on in the season. 
I kind of want to see them get better as we go along. It's more of seeing progress. It's more seeing progress. Obviously, winning is nice. Would love to see the dubs. But if nothing is changing and we're limping into Biggie's play, by God, that is an issue. Oh, yeah. You don't want to be behind the eight ball before, before you even face off against DePaul. So <laughs> let's, let's please take care of some business uh, over this, uh, this holiday weekend. Still looking forward to the Advocator Invitational, though. Nova's playing in the first game on Thanksgiving Day. Might have to step away from Thanksgiving festivities a little bit to catch this. 1.30 p.m. tip-off. The journey starts against Canisius, and then it will go on for the next two days. Championship game will be on Sunday, actually. I thought it was actually three days in a row. It's not. It's Thursday, Friday, break Saturday, Sunday. Eight teams in this tournament, Villanova, Canisius, Oklahoma State, Memphis, Charleston, LSU, UAB, Florida State. And if you're not going to be there in Orlando, where the weather's nice and sunny, you can catch the game on ESPN. It's going to be, this whole tournament's going to be on all across the ESPN networks. So that will mean not only will it be easy to find on TV, <laughs> you got to be ready for a lot of haymakers right now. There's going to be a lot of jabs. There's going to be a lot of doubt. There's going to be a lot of anti Nova stuff. So you might have to mute the TV. You might have to be ready to mute the TV and. Hopefully Nova just proves the doubters wrong. Yeah, usually this, when they're on ESPN, I'll, I'll just mute it and then look on Twitter. But now I can't even go on Twitter anymore because everybody hates each other. So I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might actually listen to the broadcast instead. It might be more tolerable. It might be. Honestly, this is what I'm predicting. I'm predicting Nova versus Canisius. Nova's winning early on by like eight. Then, then ESPN broadcasters, whoever's on it, is going to be talking about how, like, oh, Nova's been a real letdown this year, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then second half is going to be, if Zion's on this Canisius team, would he beat Nova? I think he would. <laughs> what do you what think, do you Dick? Think, Dick? <laughs> oh, Dick Vitale says, oh, Duke would beat Nova in a seven-game series. In three games. Three games by 40. Something crazy like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or... Or they start talking about will the would Duke beat the Knicks? Now that is another one. Yeah, and then and then they'll look back at how uh, Cole Swider was being recruited by Duke, and then they're gonna somehow work that in. Jesus, <laughs> possibilities <laughs> are endless. I'm already. I'll be honest. I'm bracing myself more for the ESPN commentary than any mistakes going on in the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be a blast. Just don't lose on Thanksgiving. Well, my football team hasn't won on Thanksgiving in a while. So let's keep the basketball team winning, <laughs> please. Yeah, we know that Villanova basketball is supposed to be the saving grace for Giants fans, Jets fans, Eagles fans. So we're really, really pulling for Nova to turn this around, mm-hmm. which we think will happen. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter yeah. of when. It'll be. It'll. It'll come. But just got to endure a few losses in the beginning, I guess. It, it'll come though, but unfortunately, the pollsters—they're not really that patient. Looking at this past week's polls. Nova got bounced out of the top 25 for the first time since 2013. It's also for the first time since 1982 that not a single Big East team is currently ranked. 1982, if anyone paid attention to record of the Big East or paid attention to the history of the conference, you'll know that that's probably that's one of the first few seasons of the conference's inception. So it was still a baby back then. It's been quite some time since that last happened. And unfortunately, with Nova taking two big losses, Marquette getting slapped around against Indiana, it's not looking hot for the Big East is not a mid-major conference 
narrative. We are receiving votes, though. If you look, for anyone who's keeping score, we are technically, quote-unquote, 29th. Furman is right behind us in 30th. And then right after that is another team that we don't like. And also another team that took two losses this past week, dropped out of the top 25, and that's Syracuse. Is it fair that Nova fell out of the top 25? Yes, it's completely fair. You had two pretty bad losses this week, both at home. One against a good team in Michigan, obviously, but you got absolutely destroyed there. And then against Furman, you lay an absolute egg and lose to a significantly, maybe not significantly, but a, a vastly inferior opponent on your home court. It's it's completely fair for the pollsters to leave them out. I'm surprised that Villanova even received that many votes to even possibly uh, claw into the top 25. But I will say it is pretty weird that it, Villanova will not have that little number next to it when you know they play their games and put them on the scoreboard. It's it's gonna be it's a weird feeling, you know. We've got to adjust. Got to think back to freshman year when that was a, a all too common occurrence, and I'm completely stunned at the fact that not, this is the first time since 1982 that the Big East does not have a team ranked. That that is absolutely mind boggling. That's been that long. Oh, I'm totally with you on that stat. Total props to Brendan Riley for fishing that one out. I saw a few I saw a few reporters try to snipe that stat from him. That tweet. But uh, I know where I know where it came from. I know where it came from, Brendan. We know we know what you did. We we know the work you did. But yeah, I think also on the other hand, as shocking as it is, I think it also just shows how Villanova's been holding this conference down for the last few years. Basically, since realignment, it's time for other people to step up. It's time for other schools, other teams to get there in the top twenty-five. I think we do have a few other teams that are knocking on the door. St. John's is undefeated. They just won the Legends Classic. Butler is undefeated also. DePaul, they're undefeated, but <laughs> I think they still have a ways to go. Mm-hmm. But, hey, you know, I think it's totally fair. I'm not really surprised. I know there are a few people who think that it was just a gross overreaction to two losses. But if you look at the polls, there are no two loss. There is not a single two-loss team on there right now. So for Nova to be where it is, it's pretty deserved. Not too far out, according to the receiving votes chart. We're only four slots away from being back in the top 25. Wouldn't be surprised if Nova makes it back in the exclusive club somewhere down the line. But right now, this is exactly where they need to be. Not a good thing or a bad thing. As we've seen before, There's only the only ranking that really matters is at the end of the year. So that's ultimately what we're building up for. Yeah, I mean, right now... In- doesn't matter. It's more of just a, like you said, just a talking point at this point. It sucks a bit. Uh, I agree. Like you're not going to have the number next to you. It kind of, it's a little, it's also a little weird feeling, but at the same time, like you said, it's, it's not going to matter until March. So just win your games and you'll, you'll slowly climb back into the polls and all will be forgotten. Yeah. Right now, everyone is just trying to kick Nova and the Big East while it's down, but I will be back. We'll be back. So pivoting over to some good news. There was actually a lot of good news over the weekend. While everyone was panicking or preparing for this Furman game, we got some great news on the football front and the women's basketball front. Just looking at football, they had their big Battle of the Blue rivalry game going up against the Delaware Blue Hens every year, that yearly rivalry. Nova coming in as the underdog, big underdog, against one of the top teams in the CAA. We saw Nova last year. They played as a spoiler. They just dismantled Delaware and just spoiled their playoff hopes. This time around, we saw a lot of the same thing. 
Nova coming in hot, going down to Delaware. Big underdog somehow comes out with a 42-21 to 21 win and just taking home the Battle of the Blue Trophy for the seventh straight year, continuing to dominate this rivalry series. Big game from Aaron Forbes, rushing for a game-high 138 yards and three touchdowns off of 24 carries. Zach Bednarzik had a touchdown pass also. And then we also saw some scores from Matt Goodzak. And just an overall dominant, dominant game for Nova. Just owning it on the ground. Just outperforming. Just shutting down Delaware in the fourth quarter to really seal the deal with two late-game touchdowns. Put the game out of reach. Chris, end of the regular season, it's been a tough season for the Wildcats. But for them to come away with a win, that's got to be nice. Oh, yeah. Big, big-time big win. Big way to close out the year. Ended on a high note because, as we mentioned in the last episode, it's been a pretty disappointing year overall. But you close this out with a big-time win at Delaware. Could have possibly knocked them out of the FCS tournament, but they ended up making the bracket, and they will be playing James Madison on the road. So that's a tough task for them. But you got the Battle of the Blue win, and you crushed them on top of that. Their starting quarterback, Q, actually got hurt during the game, so I think that contributed to the win as well. But Aaron Forbes going off, he said. Bernardzik had a great game. Great way to close out that the year. Something to build upon for next year. Hopefully they can right the ship there as well. Slightly disappointing year ends on a high note. And as we mentioned last episode too, this came on the road. Like they were playing good on the road this year. It was the home games that were giving them trouble. They had given Maine a tough game and then uh, only losing by three points. And then they go out there and beat Delaware by 21. So if they can just correct it at home, I think they'll be fine for next year. Yeah. And we know that injuries were no fun for them, especially for Nova. They dealt with a good amount and their once again, quarterback play was really, really hampered by that. But for them to go on the road, I was honestly surprised. I did not think that Delaware would let this happen again. I mean, lucky for them, they ended up making the FCS playoff field, the 2014 playoff, squeezing in there as one of the last teams in. I think the committee really, really gave the CAA a, a very big favor by letting all top six teams go ahead. We, we were talking about how it was like, there's no way that they're going to let top five teams. There's just no way they're going to let more than three or four teams in. But they ended up giving everyone at the top a, a pass. So. Hey, Nova's got a couple wins against some playoff teams. That's pretty not six teams. <laughs> six teams in from the same conference. Also, just wanted to point out, Dewan Lee, who we said last week, didn't have any touchdowns in the year. Rushed for two in this game. So the SNN jinx continues to work even off the basketball court. Just give all the shout-outs to everybody. See, that's why we didn't preview the games for the, for the Thanksgiving <laughs> tournament. If we mention anybody's name... They will go off. So maybe we're doing everybody some good here. Yeah, yeah. We're going to test this out. You know, Jay Wright's testing stuff out. We're testing stuff out too. Yeah. But... Should, yeah, should we not call out <laughs> anyone anymore? No. Stay just tuned and we'll... find out. <laughs> yeah. Don't even provide the numbers or the, the stats. Just, you know, just talking generics. But yeah, just looking at this football year, when you look at the top six CAA teams going in, though, it kind of bums you out knowing that Nova could have easily been one of those teams, especially with the way that their season started. Before Zach Benarzik having shoulder issues and not being able to play for two or three games, you just got to think, if only it was us. You know, I feel like Mark Fronte has just been cursed with injuries since he's taken over the job. Still looking for that FCS playoff berth for the first time under him. Hasn't happened yet. And it really, really felt like week three of the season that this was going to be Nova's year. But yeah, that injury bug rears its ugly head again. I, mean, I feel like even Tally had injury problems too i remember like our senior year like the entire offensive line was hurt 
Like, remember that? Like, they were starting tight ends on, on the line. That was, like, ridiculous. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> so, injuries always seem to be a problem with this team. So, hopefully, just one year, maybe they all stay healthy and everything kind of falls into place. But it's it's apparent the talent's there. The coaching's there. It's just, you know, you can't – you have only so much talent on the roster with the injuries that it just it just piles up. You just can't win, win games when you, you start. They're out. So, with that, Nova finishes the year. Five and six on the gridiron, two and six in CAA play. Hopefully, they come back next year revitalized. A lot of new young pieces, so that'll be kind of fun to see how that works out for them. But now, as we transition over to the other bit of good news, the Villanova women's basketball team just dominated on Friday night. They just wrecked Lehigh. As we this one, we correctly predicted that they were going to go down, that they were going to come up to Lehigh and just decimate them and that's exactly what happened kelly jaycott lights out electrifying put up a game high 24 points in nova's 70 to 48 road win the wildcats just pounced all over the mountain hawks barely gave them a chance to breathe barely gave them a chance to touch the ball barely gave them a chance to score the ball do anything with the ball it just seemed like nova was able to do whatever it wanted and just dominated taking a giant 32 to 18 lead at halftime a couple big runs here and there, and before you know it, this game was over before third quarter, I would say. Yeah, I'd say by the third quarter, it was pretty much done with. Uh, first quarter, a lot to be desired. It was only a score of 13-5, so not, not much going on there. But, you know, they Villanova playing some pretty good defense in that first quarter. Second quarter, much more offensive. So Villanova had a pretty substantial lead going into the half, and then the third quarter, they let loose, outscoring Lehigh by 10. And then in the fourth quarter, Lehigh actually made up some of the difference. Scored 21 points, but by then it was all pretty much garbage time. Jake had a great game. Kadeka had a great game. Thought defensively they played pretty well, holding Lehigh to 16 and 56 from the field, uh, 7 to 21 from deep, and then themselves shooting 11 of 33 from deep. Not not exactly the best, but you know when Jacob's five of seven, I I think that's good enough. And then after slaughtering Lehigh, Nova came back last night. Came back home right in the pavilion. Played their first ever Big Five game in its new look home, and also the first Big Five game of the season. They hosted the LaSalle Explorers, first one of the year, and once again, Nova took care of business. They did what they needed to do, still undefeated, still moving up. They beat the Explorers 81 to 68. The score probably doesn't really indicate the true nature of this game. It felt like whenever Nova was pulling away, LaSalle did exactly what it needed to to get back within reach. At least that was all. That was exactly how the game was going until the fourth quarter when Nova just completely pulled away and just shot the lights out while locking down on LaSalle. Just looking at Nova's top contributors, Kelly Jacob, once again, coming in hot with a 19-point performance. She shot 8 of 11 on the floor, was super efficient, as was Mary Gadeka, who had 16 points on 7 of 10. And then Adriana Hahn, nice all-around game. 15 points, four boards, six assists, three steals, and zero turnovers. Zero turnovers. Nice all-around game for her. And once Nova got hot in the fourth quarter, Chris, didn't really seem like LaSalle stood a chance. I was looking like it for a while that this was going to be a a pretty tightly contested game, and that did not bode well for Villanova, especially with LaSalle being not as good, and you really don't want to keep these teams around. It was only a three-point lead at half, so it was looking like, all right, maybe if LaSalle hangs around, they can probably make a run in the fourth quarter. But as we saw a bunch of times last year, Villanova makes its killing 
in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. And it, they held serve last night. And as a result, able to blow out LaSalle on the score sheet. But like you said, a little misleading there. Yeah, especially when LaSalle just dominated the boards. It's not so often that you see a team just dominate the boards, out-rebounded Nova by 15, 16 offensive rebounds. And still, LaSalle just couldn't overcome, couldn't overtake the Wildcats, especially once Nova drained five threes in the fourth quarter and then just shut down LaSalle. LaSalle was... One of its last eight shot attempts for the whole game didn't score a single basket for the last three and a half minutes. Just a nice, promising performance. We saw this so far in the couple of games. Nova's defense, leading into the season, players said that defense would be a problem, that they were definitely an offensive minded team. But when the shots are falling, that's encouraging. But when you see the defense also looking pretty solid out there or holding it down, even when they're getting beat up on the boards, even when things aren't looking too hot, it's nice to see the defense come around too. Yeah, they certainly needed that defense to step up, especially with the offense only going 12-35 from deep. You know, you know, Good enough to win, obviously, but you like a little bit better. Uh, shooting wise, but yeah, the, de- the defense did its job holding LaSalle four of 18 from, from beyond the arc and 26 of 66 from the field for the entire game. And yeah, you know, they gave up the re- fair share of rebounds and that was the common theme last year too, where they kind of got out rebounded. But if the defense can just lock down el- elsewhere, I, th- I think they'll be, they'll be okay. Definitely. Definitely. And they will take that undefeated record, put that to the test and look to continue with their winning ways over the weekend where they'll be heading down to sunny Orlando, Florida, just like the men's team for the, but they'll be participating in the UCF Thanksgiving classic, good competition. I know Virginia tech is one of the teams that they'll be meeting. So that should be interesting to watch and see how they do. We'll be keeping an eye out for that. Chris, a great feeling about this women's basketball team. I'm not going to lie. I know, I know the competition right now. It hasn't really showed us anything yet. We know how good the big East is. And we're definitely looking forward to some of these non-con games like Princeton, Georgia, two really good teams that are probably going to give Nova a good game. This Thanksgiving Classic is probably going to be nice to watch, but good feeling about this team this year. Good feeling. Yeah, we said at the beginning of the year, we expect the big things from this team, especially off last year making the tournament. Giving Notre Dame a run for their money in the in the tournament on their home court, it, we expected them to win a few games this year. And so far, they're holding suit. And like you said, competition has been the best, but it's going to start picking up. Like you said, Sal coming up. And you got the Thanksgiving Classic at UCF. Win these games, maybe even knock off Princeton. Yeah, you got something building here. I, I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to be pretty good this year, and we'll see how the big dogs of the Big East treat them, uh, especially with the DePaul and Marquette, and we'll see how they do against them. But as of right now, you got to win the games you're supposed to. Men's side isn't doing that, but the women's is. And that's, that's all that matters. Yeah, totally. Totally. So we wanted to make sure we left enough time for this. We know that we had a lot to digest and unpack from over the weekend. But we want to get to the mailbag. We cut a few off last time because of time, but this time we really want to make sure we dedicate time to this. There's a lot here. I had a feeling that this mailbag was going to be late. I'm not going to lie, Chris. When that tweet was sent out, fishing for questions, I was totally expecting a solid avalanche, and this did not disappoint. We got a lot of questions. You ready? I am ready. As always, you can tweet us at S-O-N-N-Pod and ask us anything, and we'll talk about it on the show. Literally, ask us anything. You can also leave your questions in the comments section of a VU Hoops podcast post. 
And we'll talk about it just like this. First one is up from Notorious Golfer. Is Samuels actually this bad? Zero points against Furman. Played a decent amount and was a total disaster on defense. Also, why is Booth shooting so much? It's plain awful. 8 of 23 on the field and 3 of 13 from 3. It's slop shot selection. Chris, why don't you, why don't you take this first? <laughs> With regards to Booth, I think we kind of touched on that when we were doing the Furman game. Yeah, I don't understand why he's shooting so bad. I don't know if he's still feeling the effects of the hand injury. I, I doubt that, but that's been thrown around. Oh, there's that's, been yeah, there's been a lot of weird takes like, oh, his hand yeah. still hurts him, his knee still hurts him. Yeah, like I, I I guess it could. I don't know. I never sustained an injury like that. Knock on wood. But yeah, I I don't know why he's shooting so bad. I think it's more mainly just the shot selection. It, a lot of his shots are just awful takes, just dribbling contested. around, contested, like from not not very favorable positions on the court, like just. I don't know. I don't. I don't really understand why he's he's doing that. I don't know if it's because he wants to try and facilitate something and try to get that spark that he kind of feels that his team needs. And I, I feel like he kind of gets a feel for what the team is going through right now. But yeah, I don't. I don't really understand why he's he's doing so bad right now. I'd expect him to turn it around. Expect him to drive more. You know, I'm sure he'll he'll figure that out. He's a good player. But with Samuels, yeah, we 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 didn't even talk talking about him when we were talking about the Furman game. Just before, I, I don't know what's wrong with him, man. He just looks completely awful. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if it's because of what happened last year with the injury, and then when he did play, Jay had a short leash, and that screwed with him. I, I wish I could give you some insight info there, but it looks like a confidence issue, just from outside looking in. But because I think the talent's there, but man, I, he's got to, he's got to figure it out soon. Oh yeah, no, I, you know, there were definitely some flashes where I was very impressed with Samuels, especially I remember in the Furman game, probably one highlight was when him and the other player, I didn't, I don't remember who exactly was on Furman's team, but they both went for a rebound, both holding onto the ball and Jermaine Samuels literally rips it from him. The little boy gets tossed onto the floor. Jermaine's getting excited, just completely manhandled him. Took him to school, threw him onto the ground like he was nothing as they were both going for the ball and just showed him this is why you go to the weight room. Yeah, Jermaine Samuels, I would I will say it's probably confidence related. There are some times where he grabs some nice boards, which I like. You know, he grabbed a few nice key offensive rebounds. But overall, his offense has kind of been lacking a little bit. His shot isn't really there. His three-point shooting, I think he's more of an inside threat. And he does turn the ball over a bit, but I think it's just one of those things as he just needs to get used to playing more. He just needs more playing time. Barely played last year. When he did play last year, kind of was gun shy, deer in the headlights. This year, he's a lot. It seems like he's a lot less of that. Just not there yet. I feel like he still kind of has that little deer in the headlights moments every now and then, like, especially like when he gets the ball like in the post. Like I don't, I don't know exactly, or not the post, but in the key. Like I don't know what he's doing. Like he just kind of like does a few pivots and then just kind of tosses it elsewhere. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why he doesn't really have an instinctive move to the basket at that point. That is a good point, and I do think that um, there are also a few other people who are who are guilty of that too. I will say it's definitely better than last year, though. I think that's compared to last year. Yeah, it is better, but it's just not there yet. Yeah, no, he he's definitely got to get there, but it, it's still showing through every now and then. 
And with Phil Booth, it's definitely the shot selection. I don't know if it's because, you know, he thinks he's a senior and is captain and he feels like he needs to help carry his team or he's like taking extra responsibility of what's happening right now. But the shot selection hasn't really been ideal. He's not really making it when he goes inside. It's just tough. It's it's rough all around. A lot of contested threes, as you pointed out earlier in the show. But hopefully these two guys can figure it out along with the rest of the team. This next question is from Will W. Cola 5. What players on this Nova team do you see playing in the NBA? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, well, we got to think Pascal makes it this year, right? He's I mean, probably you know, like the first, first one that comes to mind, right? Yeah, I would say so. Despite the bad start to the year for him, still think he probably figures it out and will probably get drafted or at least get some looks. And after that, I don't know. Too early to tell on a lot of guys. I, I would if you're just going off pure potential, JQ. But we we know he ain't playing. So I, as of right now, probably just Pascal is like the only sure thing. Maybe Booth gets some few summer league gigs of some sort, but I don't really see anybody else right now making it unless they reach their true potential. Yeah, if we're talking right now, I would say it definitely is Pascal 1. Booth will definitely get some sort of summer league camp invite if he's not drafted. Looking down the line, JQ has the potential, has all that, but we don't even know because he's not out there yet. He could easily become another Trayvon Duvall for all we know. Hopefully, knock on wood, that's not the case. But just showing how, you know, just based on potential alone might not work or high school hype might not work out in the NBA. Or he could easily be the next best point guard. We don't know. I don't really want to predict too much because I can't see the freshman play. I don't know what they bring on the table other than Slater does bring defense. And as we know, the NBA always loves defense. It's just it's too many unknowns right now. What is the real status with Javon Quinnaway? He didn't play at all. And this is from Joe Wu Rychowski, a.k.a. the Joe Wu. We're not Jay Wright. Yeah. But <laughs> we did have couple of our reporters who were at the Furman game ask about J- Jelly JQ. And basically what we got out of it, a uh, whole lot of nothing. Jay admitted also to the whole fact of, you know, leaning towards seniority, leaning towards the veterans, giving those guys the go-to minutes, especially in a close game. He said that, you know, he didn't really get a chance to work them in and maybe we'll get the chance next time. But it seems to be... From according to Jay and his answers at the press conference post game, more seniority, less about the freshmen, which we've seen so far. If you look at the box score and the minutes distribution, all about the upperclassmen, all about the vets, not so much for the younger guys. Will that change moving forward? We'll have to find out. But to answer Joe Wu's question, it seems like I don't think he's in the doghouse. I haven't heard it. I know there are lots of rumors going around. But I haven't heard anything regarding injury. I haven't heard anything regarding transferring. I haven't heard anything regarding NCAA allegations or new NCAA violations coming up. Those are all just rumors. According to Jay, though, it just seems to be that he's just leaning too much on the on the seniors, self-admitted, not so much on the freshmen in a close game, which you totally understand just coming from Jay Wright. That's just how he has been. We'll probably not know for a while if we ever do find out. But it's it's frustrating as a fan to not know because you see a kid with so much potential just sitting there doing nothing. 
you really want to see him out there contributing and showing showing his potential and showing what he can bring to this program because we know what he can bring, but just hasn't had the opportunity yet for whatever reason. Jay only knows and the players on that team now. We, I don't think we'll ever know, to be honest. Several related to that question, this one's from Andy Manso. How long do you think it will take for Jay to give the freshman more run instead of playing Gillespie, Booth, Pascal for 35 to 40 minutes a night? I'll be honest, I think he's going to have to figure it out real soon in this tournament because there is just no way that they can do that for three straight games in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I think this will be where we finally see more freedom minutes-wise for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's got to be. It's got to be this week. It's got to be. I would hope so, right, after yeah. the way the two games went? Yeah, you would think some changes would be needed, but I don't know. You never know. He seems to be rolling with the same guys at least the past couple games despite how, how it went against Michigan. Rolled out the same starting lineup, so I don't know. Hopefully it changes. If it was up to me, it would change. If it was up to you, you it would change, but stay right. We'll see how it, how it works. Hopefully, hopefully it is this week, though. Yeah, I would hope that he realizes this sooner than later. A lot sooner, but I honestly think that if it's not this week, I will be surprised. I would be stunned. Yeah, because then when are you going to do it? You're going to do it against Kansas? Yeah, that'd be a great time to do it. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. You're approaching Kansas territory at that point. I, I have no, I don't know what you would do. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Next question is from Philly Love. Why are the Cats not prepared to start the season against a team ranked 125? Uh, oof. Yeah, great question. <laughs> these are these are all good questions. We like good questions here at State of Nova Nation. I don't know why they weren't prepared. I, I said on Thursday that I was expecting a prepared game, a well-oiled machine to come out, no turnovers, no sloppiness, and they, they did exactly the opposite of that. I, I don't know why they weren't prepared. Yeah, I looked at Kempom to see what our first two wins looked like, but uh, you know, I was like, they got to be ranked higher than Furman or like in the same territory, right? And unfortunately, Morgan State was three forty three out of three fifty three. I think there's, yeah, I think there are a few more Division one teams now, so I don't know if it's still three fifty three. Somewhere north of three fifty, though. Yeah, and then Quinnipiac is two seventy. So no, we have not beaten a top one fifty team yet. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> What's Canisius? Do we know? Uh, I was actually going to bring that up. They are 169. Um, sort of nice. 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 All right. Well, we're we're, get, we're approaching 150 territory. Why weren't we prepared? Great question. We shouldn't have lost that game. Although, we, you know, we're, you know, we're all here for the growing pains and the wake-up calls. But uh, great question, honestly. I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say. I think this is the first time we've gotten a question on State of Nova Nation. And I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. I mean. This is more of yeah. I don't know how we how how we would answer. I wish I had a more positive answer to give too, but right now there are a lot of question marks <laughs> and rockiness. Yeah. This next question is from Peter Hughes. What's the plan to quote unquote steady the ship? Well, as I mentioned before, it is definitely to go back to playing the smooth offense that Villanova plays. Let's swing the ball around. Unfortunately, teams don't seem to be respecting our inside game at all. And I think we've just been outperformed on the paint on both ends of the court. So when we're not knocking down those twos, well, that gives teams all the time in the world to just focus on clamping down the perimeter. And as we've seen, that seems to be working out so far for our last two opponents. Defensively, we got to figure it out. God, it's yeah. just getting 
beaten up all over. I, I think it does start, though, with getting, if we can find a true rim protector, whether that's DCR or someone else, if we can at least stop letting teams just do whatever they want at the basket, we're going to be we're gonna be a lot more sound on defense. That way we don't have five guys running around Got like it. a chicken with, that, with their head chopped off. Like, yeah. it just seems so disorganized right now. In the words of the great Bill Rafter, we got to get those puppies organized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. And I think that's the way to get this ship righted. I think you got to just figure it out on the defensive end because I think the offense will, will will figure it out eventually. Yeah, it's like shots are, shots are bound to you know drop. Right. You know, yeah. rule of averages. Yeah, it's going to figure itself out eventually. I mean, you shot thirty three percent against Furman. I don't think you're going to put up many of those games against these other teams. So if you can figure it out defensively and the offense shows up, then then they'll be fine. So, like you said, get the puppies organized, get the team organized, get the defense organized. That's Smart switches. Let's not get beat on one-on-one drives. Let's shuffle the feet a bit. Stay in front of the guys, and I think every, I think we'll all be okay. But as of right now, it's a disoriented mess, and they got to figure it out. And hopefully, they do it this week. Yeah, and and we saw that defense was definitely something that worried us a little bit, especially against Morgan State. You know, Nova won the game. They put up a hundred, but we saw that Morgan State was having no issue at all to go into the basket. And it's one thing when Morgan State's shooting 50%, but when Nova's shooting over 60 to start the game in the first half, you're not going to lose games. You're not. You're just not. And it's going to cover up a lot of the other issues. But now we've seen that our last two opponents have brought out those weaknesses, exploited it, and have been able to do that to take down Nova twice. As you said, I think the offense should eventually figure itself out. Granted, better shot selection would be a great place to probably fine-tune on that end of the court. But defense wins championships. Defense has been key to Villanova basically since the turnaround. Since the turnaround after 2012-13 season, Nova was top 50, according to Kempom, defensive efficiency-wise. And I'm kind of bummed now because I was going to write that nice... I had that article idea ready to go before the season started. I just could never get around to writing it, how defense was going to be super important to this year's team. And we have a lot of question marks surrounding that side. And as we've seen, it is not only super important, but it's been the area that's been killing them the most so far. Yeah. I would have liked to have read that, but now, now there's so many other issues to talk about that you writing about defense would be just push, push down the whole, the whole spiel of everything else. So, oh, well, from Tom Sabatino. Why are fans expected to stand now until the first Villanova basket? That is a tradition that other schools do. For example, Syracuse. Let's make something our own. Tom, I saw that. That that is a new Finneran Pavilion thing that they're having the fans do. I'm with you. I, I think maybe Nova should do something on its own. That would be cool. We'll figure it out, though. We're probably going to have to go to the drawing board. I don't know if you have any ideas on top of your head, Chris. But for now, I do like the standing until the first basket because at least it gets, you know, it gets a, the wine and cheese crowd a little, a little engaged, more so than <laughs> in the past when they were just sitting down the whole time. That's all you hear from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I mean, at least, yeah, you got to get them involved somehow. And if it's if within the first uh, couple minutes of the game, at, at least they tried, you know. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even notice that. I had no idea what was going on, but sure. Uh, I, I have no ideas off the top of my head as to start a, a for a tradition thing, but but isn't the whole thing like remember with Hoops Mania they always had us like throw out those streamers or something after the first basket made like I always kind of thought that was like the whole tradition thing, but obviously you can't do that now. Well, I know we haven't been to the new pavilion yet, 
So I, I saw this on Twitter on opening day and I saw someone take a picture saying like, oh, new home, new tradition. And, the, you know, on the video boards, it said, everyone, please stand until the first basket is made. So that's the only reason why I know about it. I haven't been there yet. haven't made the pilgrimage yet to the holy new pavilion. Uh, the streamers is cool. Obviously, we can't do it. And I that was a nod to more of the big five stuff. We're going we're gonna to have to marinate on it. I don't know if anyone has any, any ideas for new traditions. But uh, this one kind of caught me off guard. This one kind of caught me off guard. But I will say the standing until the first basket is a good placeholder until we come up with a much better alternative. Yeah, and the wine and cheese crowd is going to hope that the Villanova scores uh, relatively quickly. You can't can't have those can't have those legs, you know, standing for that long. I mean, you got to sit down and just watch the game go back and forth like a tennis match. Maybe the thought process is since they're already standing, they'll be like, oh, you know, they'll stand up too. Yeah, we'll be with the student section, stand the whole time, start cheering, <laughs> get rowdy. <laughs> say they participated, get a trophy at the end, a little ribbon. See, I stood until the first battle. <laughs> this next question is from Sam Sewell. Question for every player in position at Nova. What will the team look like with team outgoings, incomings, etc., minutes development, etc.? Will the NBA alumni come back in the offseason, especially as the incoming class is so talented? The NBA alumni will definitely be back in terms of helping them train and prepare, but they're not, they're not suiting up. That That's it. They're not coming through the door. They're not walking. In the door, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That would be a major NCAA violations there. That would just, that would, that would not be good. That, that would be the end of the program, but yeah, I, I guess they would come back and, and help. I'm sure they do. Yeah. They always, they always do. Remember Dale, Dale, Dale gave us a little, little yeah. behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Curtain peak. This next set of questions is from Jerry Quinn. You know, there's Jelly JQ, but but he's S and N JQ. He's our guy. We want to make sure we get his set of questions. We didn't get him last time, but he's got a few. He's got a few, and his first one is: How many games will it take for us to fix a rotation? Uh, sooner rather than later, but I really do think that we're gonna we're gonna start trending in the right direction with this tournament. As we said before, we hope it's the Thanksgiving games, but you, you never know. It's looking like it should be Thanksgiving games, and hopefully it is. His next question is: Will the sophomores be ready for Biggie's play? I certainly think so. Colin Gillespie and DCR—they both had solid minutes. More so, Gillespie. DCR had great minutes, and then kind of tapered off towards the end of the season. And then Samuels—he looks like someone who is starting to feel more comfortable. Still, some kinks to work out. But the fact that he's starting, he's able to contribute more so than he did last year. I think that's going to help him out, especially come later in the season once we had January. So I, I have faith they will be ready. Yeah, I think they'll be ready. They were around the block uh, last year, so they know what it's about, especially Gillespie and DCR. I know Samuels had the injury. They should all be ready. Next up, he wants to know, did we ever have 21 turnovers in a game last year? I, I've been coming through the box scores. We've come close a few times I mean, <laughs> you know there was the Nichols game there was West Virginia there was Tennessee but we never hit the 20 mark I don't know if you found anything I felt like the people from Spaceballs with the giant combs in the sand <laughs> yeah I need you guys to comb the desert yeah uh no I, I did not see anything there well at least 21 the, the Tennessee one for some reason just stuck out to me 
Like I remember that being a particularly sloppy game. And even the games that I thought were sloppy, like the Seton Hall one on the road, they didn't even turn that ball over that much. It was only like 11, 12, at least compared to the, the Michigan game. So, yeah, 20, 21's a rare, rare feat for this team. Yeah, nothing like that Michigan game this year. Didn't hit the 20 mark last year. I did see a few 16, 17, 18s, but nothing like 20. And his last question is, who is our floor general this season? I guess you could say Colin Gillespie. I mean, that seems to be where where all the fingers are pointing, where the compass is pointing north to. I guess it's him. He's kind of the lead facilitator right now. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it is him and him and Phil seem to be a little on and off for for the whole floor general thing. But we we all know it should, should probably be JQ at some point, but. As of right now, and it's trending that way, that it'll probably be Gillespie and or Booth or some combination of those two. Yeah, Gillespie is definitely the main facilitator, the main point guard, which usually you associate floor general with. But just from talking to various guys on the team and seeing how Jay Wright just talks about his players, it seems like Phil Booth is really like the leadership guy. He's really the guy that a lot of people on the team look up to. So if you want to talk floor general in that sense, he's your man. But in the traditional point guard sense, yeah, it's it's Gillespie, possibly JQ in the future. And that's how it's looking. That's how it's looking. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the state of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podomatic. You have many options. Check back and check off in at viewhoops.com we got all the content you can also join the party and chime in with your two cents on what's going on right now with the current state of the nova nation you can also follow view hoops on social media at view hoops and that's good for instagram and twitter you can follow me eugene repay at Pay 5 and you can follow me chris stanziel at the stance man on twitter nova nation regardless of what happens hope you all have a happy thanksgiving Safe travels if you're going anywhere. If not, hopefully that this weekend will be a great one basketball-wise, and we'll be back next week to talk about some good news, hopefully.